Last week we talked about how as God has been pushed further and further out of our conversation as a nation that we have found ourselves uh, just becoming a more and more rude society. And, uh, uh, and in so many ways, we just are hurting one another more and more. But I've also noticed something else that's been creeping in as we move away as a nation, as a whole, from God. And that is fear. Fear is creeping in. And we see a whole generation of people that are just riddled with fear. And more and more people are living lives that are just so filled with fear. And so I started looking and it turns out that talking about fear is too much to do in one sermon. So I will probably cover other aspects of fear next week. But the thing is, is that there are different kinds of fear. And fear is something that's been given to us as a gift. It is a negative emotion that is given to us for self-preservation. Just like anger, uh, negative emotions are like red lights on the dashboard. Whenever they start flashing, it lets you know that something's wrong. Something needs to be worked on. You don't ignore the flashing red light and you don't just unplug it. And that's what lots of people are wanting to do today with different sorts of drugs and stuff like that. And we're seeing people uh, just uh, more and more self-medicating. And one of the reasons, and when I say that, I mean they're taking drugs to do away with the fear and the pain and the different things that they find in their lives. And so uh, I want to address fear this morning, uh, just the aspect of the sort of just, just fear that comes on us whenever things go wrong. And uh, we can always be expecting things to go wrong. And uh, many, but just let's face it, many people are living in fear today. And as I said, it's something that as God is pushed out of the conversation, fear comes more and more to the forefront. In the passage that we read today in 1 John, we read the words, perfect love casts out fear. And a lot of people think that just means the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts. And yes, that is a part of it. His love, his presence makes all the difference in the world. And just having him with us makes it easier to handle things. But it also has the, the uh, connotation of maturity. And as we move on uh, to perfection, as uh, John Wesley would say, as we become perfected in love, as we mature in love of God and of people, that's going to push out fear. And so we know as Methodists that we're all supposed to be uh, moving on to perfection. We're supposed to be growing in the Lord. 
We never stop growing. There was a time when John Wesley thought that you could reach a place of perfection in this life as far as being perfected in your love of people and your love of God. And then apparently he met some people that he thought were perfect and then they weren't because he changed his mind about that. He decided that we were going to keep on moving on to perfection till we wound up uh, being with the Lord. But we were always supposed to be pressing on toward the high call of God. Uh, and so uh, today, what we're going to be looking at is how this all fits together. And there's a passage in the Gospel of Mark that uh, just, uh, just puts this all together for us. It's Mark, the fourth chapter. We'll be reading the 35th through the 41st verses. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and said, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So in the midst of the storm, Jesus is there. He calms the storm and then he asks them a question. Why are you so afraid? And you may be going through a storm in your life right now, and you may be afraid. And he speaks to you this morning, and he says, why are you so afraid? And see, this is what we need to do whenever we're facing something that's brought to our attention by a negative emotion. We need to ask ourselves, what's going on? Why are we like this? Why am I fearful? And uh, once you ask that, instead of just hanging on to the fear, if you ask yourself why, then you can start to do something about it. Or sometimes you can find that really there wasn't anything to really be afraid of. And so uh, uh, he asked the question, why are you so afraid? Guys, I'm in the boat. You've seen me do great things. Why are you freaking out now? And then he says, do you still have no faith? And it says the disciples, they were terrified. And they ask each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves, the waves obey him. What's interesting as you go through life sometimes is that life can be going on so well and so normal and then out of the blue, out of nowhere, it seems, 
Just like the scene in this passage, a storm comes up. It could be that your job was going well, and then all of a sudden you don't know how long you're going to have that job. It could be that your marriage and uh, your family life and everything is uh, just as, as as well as it's, it's, it's better than it's ever been. You think, man, we're finally in smooth sailing. And then your spouse goes to the doctor to check something out, and suddenly you've got horrible news. And just out of nowhere... You feel like the rug's been pulled out from under and you don't even know how you're going to make it. I have discovered through the years that when people come to church, they wear masks. Have you ever noticed that? People come to church and uh, whenever they drive up, they put on their mask. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. How are you doing? Doing fine. And they wear this mask. And they walk around, and while they're wearing their mask, where they're looking just fine on the outside, inside they're just quivering jelly. And things are just not going well. But they've got this mask on, and everybody around them sees the mask. And they look around from behind their mask, and they say, man, Everybody here has it together but me. Nobody's got any more, any problems but me. Because they look around and they see all these people that just have it all together. And really, they're dealing with a house made of cards just like you are. And that's why small groups are important. And in our church, we're basically... We don't have to do this as much as in other churches. Uh, we are pretty much a small group. And we all know everybody's business just about, right? Seems like it. But uh, anyway, but the thing is, is that in so many churches, people can sit there thinking, I don't even know if I should even come anymore because I'm not perfect like all these other people. None of us are. None of us are. But uh, I want to ask you, uh, you don't have to raise your hands or anything, but just think about this. How many of you right now, you or somebody close to you is in the middle of a storm right now? So many of us are, really. Uh, and uh, often in our lives, we are in the, it, well, it, it's just right in the middle of things and we just didn't see coming. And we would never, ever choose. And what I want us to do today from this story, as Jesus asks this piercing question, why are you so afraid? I want to show you specifically two things to remember when you're in the storm. First, he's with you. You're in the storm in the presence of our good God. Verse 37 and verse 38 show us that. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. They were barely staying above water. But then in verse 38, where was Jesus? He was in the boat. It said Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I always like all the detail that the gospel writer Mark puts in. 
Uh, he gives detail that nobody else gives. He's asleep on a cushion, not just asleep, on a cushion. Uh, so where was Jesus? He was in the stern. Jesus was in the boat. Let's say that together. Jesus was in the boat. All right. That's important. Now, here's what happens so often, though. I believe a lot of people think, okay, now, wait a minute. If I'm with Jesus, there shouldn't be a storm. I gave my life to Christ, and therefore, it should be smooth sailing, smooth sailing for the rest of my life. I need to tell you, that's just not true. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, be of courage, don't be afraid, for I have overcome the world. Jesus never promised that if you came to him, your life would be easy or that it would be storm free. He never promised that. In fact, the reality is often the opposite of that. When you move from darkness to light, suddenly you step into the middle of a spiritual battlefield. You see, Christianity is not a playground. It's a battleground between forces of darkness and forces of light. And when you step onto the side of the light, suddenly darkness is against you and you will face opposition and you will face temptation and there will be spiritual warfare. And to think just because I'm with Jesus, nothing should go wrong is a distortion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, God never promises you that just because Jesus is in the boat, that the storm will never rock you. What he promises is the storm will never sink you because God is for you. God is with you. And there is nothing uh, that can take you out of the presence of God. Nothing, he says, can pluck you from my hand. He was in the boat, and that's a total game changer. In fact, I read this really interesting piece the other day. It's kind of troublesome in a way, and it's kind of heartening in a way. I'll get to the troublesome part at the end. It talked about older people, and it said that older people actually live longer if there's something else or someone else living in their house. Now, that's interesting to me. If you're older, you might want to take note of this. This is good. You live longer when there's anything else living in your house. Anything at all, they're saying. It can be an old deaf guy that doesn't even talk back to you. It can be a houseplant. It can be a fern. It can be a cute dog. It can be a big, ugly dog. It can be a goldfish or a ferret or a, do you say gerbil or gerbil? Huh? Gerbil. Gerbil. Okay. Sharon says gerbil, so we're going to say gerbil. Okay. It could be a hamster. It could be a guinea pig. It could be a hedgehog. Now, now this is the part that I find troubling. 
It can even be a cat. (laughs) Yeah, I really think they need to do more research on that. But uh, anyway, but this is this is this is research, and I'm I'm just I'm going to have to accept it as being so. But uh, I know this is the conclusion of the study, even including the part that I don't agree with is that older people live longer when there's something else living inside the house. And uh, the thing is, is that uh, every now and then, some of you, you're going to be in the middle of a storm and it's going to get really bad. And people are going to look at you and say, how are you getting through that? How are you enduring this? How come your world's falling apart and yet you're not falling apart? How come everything's going wrong and yet you still have this quiet confidence? Why is it that you are in the middle of this storm and you seem to have this deep peace and assurance? Why is it that you have this peace in the middle of the storm? And you're going to be able to tell them who it is. You can explain. It's because there's someone living in my house and he's the author of life. You see, his presence is with me. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is in my house. And because he is with me, I can sense his strength and I can sense his presence and I can sense his power and I can sense his comfort because he is with me. He's in the boat with me. Just because I'm in a storm doesn't mean that he's not with me. Now then, I want y'all to hear this because this is something that you need to just really grab hold of. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Did you hear that? I'm going to say it again. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. He never, ever promised that uh, the storm wouldn't rock you. He promised that the storm would not sink you. You see, he's in my house. He's in the boat. And I pray that you find comfort no matter what you're going through, because he is with you in that storm that you're going through right now. So first of all, Jesus is in the boat. He's with you in the middle of the storm. Next, you're in the storm for his purposes. Now, you're in the storm with his presence and you're in the storm for his purpose. Now, think about this. Jesus said it was his idea. Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. So whose idea was it? It was Jesus' idea. And so this is an obvious question. It was Jesus' idea. Let's go over to the other side. Why was he taking him to the other side? Well, 
Jesus was God in the flesh. And he knew on the east side of the sea, on the other side of the sea, there was a guy who was cutting himself and in emotional pain uh, because he was possessed by many evil spirits. And Jesus was taking the disciples to the other side. And Jesus was going to speak healing into this man's life. And Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew that there would be a storm. He knew the storm was coming. He knew that he was taking the disciples on the boat into and through a storm. So whose idea was it? It was Jesus' idea. Uh, and he knew they're going to be going through a storm. And so that, from that line of logic, we could say that they were not in the storm because they were out of God's will. Do you see that? Some people think that whenever a storm comes up, they must be out of God's will. No, these guys were doing exactly what Jesus wanted to go do. And they wound up in the middle of the storm. They were actually in the storm because they were in his will. And now some of y'all are probably getting mad in your hearts right now. And you're going to say, okay, so what you're telling me is God caused this storm. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Or you're saying uh, that his sovereignty allowed the storm. I can't tell you about that. I mean, that's just too major a thing to even try to think about getting into right now. But the thing is, I can tell you, is that God always uses the storm to do a work inside of us. He always, he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That's Romans 8, 28. So, the thing is, is that uh, I believe with all my heart that that's why James could say these powerful words. Brace yourself. Consider it poor joy, pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, so that you may be made perfect. Do you see that? You see the same phraseology there. So that you may be made pure, and mature and complete, not lacking anything. Some of you, you're in the middle of a test and a good teacher Test you why? To fail you? No. That's not why a good teacher tests you. A teacher tests you so they can pass you and promote you. Right? At the end of the year, you take a final exam, and if you pass the test, you move up to another level. And God and His love may be allowing you to experience something, even testing your faith, promoting you to another level of belief. And this faith produces 
perseverance, something that stays and lives inside you no matter what you face from this point on. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So how does God mature us? How do we move on to perfection? It's with his help. He matures us in a lot of different ways. He matures us as we get to know his word and he renews and transforms our mind as we do that. He matures us as we discover our spiritual gifts and we begin to make a difference in someone else's life. He matures us as we go through certain storms so that God does something in us. In fact, some of you, I would say the difference between who you are right now and where God ultimately wants you to be is the storm that you have yet to endure. And they will come. And that's why I'm sharing this with you so that you'll be able to endure. So you'll know that Jesus is in the boat and you'll know that he's going to get you through and you're going to know that you're going to come out on the other side on a higher level than you went in. I don't know how many of you know somebody who they're just rock solid in their faith. Well, I can promise you they've been through some storms with Jesus they know his faithfulness. They know his presence. They've learned that there is a purpose in every single storm that God is often doing something in us and teaching us something in the middle of the storm that we could never learn in any other way. Did he cause it or did he allow it? I don't know, but I do know that he always uses it. The disciples had not gotten there yet, though, had they? There were a lot of you and men I am many times. And so they're panicking. Jesus, we're going to drown. Wake up. Wake up. And what does Jesus do? I love this. He gets up and he rebukes the wind and the wind dies down and it's completely calm. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and says, why are you guys so afraid? Don't you remember me opening blind eyes and healing deaf ears? Don't you remember that I'm the author of life right here with you? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He asks them. And so what does it say next about them? Then they were really scared. <laughs> he says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, what happened? I want you to notice at the begin, at the beginning in this translation I read, it says, master, that's also teacher. So they're saying, teacher, teacher, do you care if we drown? Teacher, teacher. You see, at this point, Jesus was just their teacher. What did they call him later? They called him Lord. Here's what happened. The fear of the storm started to grow into a holy fear of the Lord. Whoa, 
Who is this? This is incredible. And the fear of what might happen to them transferred into a reverential and holy, awe-filled fear of the Lord God. So a lot of you right now, let's face it, let's be honest, you're in a storm. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to ask you this. Why are you so afraid? Have you forgotten? You're in the storm with the very presence of God. And he is for you. He is with you. He's working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You're in the storm with his presence and then you're in, you're in the storm for his purpose. So why are you so afraid? And as you get to know him and he matures you and you grow through some storms and you endure some storms with him, Suddenly, here's what happens. In the middle of the storm, you could be afraid because it looks like the boat's going to sink. But suddenly, your hope is no longer in the boat, but your soul is anchored in the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, that changes everything. Let's pray. Father, we pray that in your presence you would do a healing work and especially, God, for those who are enduring maybe even more of a severe storm than anything we've even talked about, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts that only you can do. And while we're praying, there may be some of you and you might be saying in your hearts, yes, I'm in the middle of the storm or somebody I love that I'm close to, needs a touch from God in the middle of the storm. Well, I'm not going to even ask you to raise your hands this morning. I'm just going to go ahead and pray for you. Because if that's you, you're enduring something very difficult right now or just close to someone who needs their presence, we need to pray. God, I hurt with those who are hurting today, and I know, God, that you hurt even more so. But I'm so thankful, Lord, that in your sovereign love, you know the details of every single situation. And Lord, not only do I pray that you would calm the storm as you often can do, but Lord, even if you don't calm the storm, I pray that your divine presence would minister peace, a peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would bring a comfort that only you can bring. And Lord, in your presence, I pray that we could start even to sense a purpose that you're doing something in us. You're teaching us something that we couldn't learn in any other way. In the presence of your son, there is hope even in the middle of the worst storm. So Lord, help us to cling to you and to believe that you are enough. And Lord, I pray for miracles, that the storms would pass quickly, and there would be healing, wholeness, forgiveness, and restoration, that the storms would be still, but even more so, 
that we would know that everlasting presence and glory of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.